All right, well, while they're being dismissed, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, we'll continue our verse-by-verse study through 1 Kings. And the title of the message tonight is Unending Grace. Unending Grace. If you'll remember, last week we became introduced to Elijah, and we saw where he was sent with a message to confront King Ahab and wicked Queen Jezebel. And then after he gave them that message, the Lord told him to go down to the brook Cherith and stay there. He was going to send three years of famine, uh, three years of no rain. And so he was supposed to stay there and the Lord would provide him water from the brook and he would provide him with food delivered by the crows, right? You remember all that? And so that's where we pick it up in 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. And we'll read the verses as we come to them. Uh, but when Elijah lived at this brook, at this brook Cherith, remember, he was trusting in God about as much as any man can trust in God, right? I mean, if somebody told me to go down here to Bodark Creek and sit there and uh, wait on the crows to feed me, that would take a lot of faith, wouldn't it? So he's showing us a great amount of faith. Really, I think his faith is stretched uh, about as far as it can be stretched here to trust the Lord for all of this. And so... Surely it was enough for this man to live alone in the wilderness, right? Surely it was enough for him to have to drink from the water of this brook uh, through the years of drought. Surely it was enough for him to have to trust God enough to wait on these crows to bring him food day after day after day. But God called Elijah to tighten up his belt, and we're about to see this, and to take one more step of obedience. His faith was about to be stretched a little bit more. And we see in verse 7, it says, And after a while, the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Now, this is a severe test of faith. Even for a great man of prayer like Elijah, a great man of God like Elijah, this is a severe test of faith. Because listen, a brook, if you know anything about nature at all, a brook or a creek, it doesn't dry up overnight, does it? dies a slow death. It just kind of goes down, keeps getting a little lower until finally it's just a trickle and then finally it's just a, a few holes of mud here and there, right? And so this is what's happened to Elijah. Now this brook is dried up and there's no water at all. So what's he going to do? Well, many people's faith would probably have dwindled away as they watched this brook dwindle away. And they would have thought, what in the world am I going to do now? And they probably, if they were stubborn like me, would probably try to take things into their own hands. Is Elijah going to do that? Elijah wasn't going to do that. Elijah's faith did not wither. Instead, he learned this simple lesson of grace all over again. And that lesson is this. God gives His servants their daily bread. God is going to provide for our needs. God may not give us everything we want. We may not all be driving a uh, uh, brand new Z71 four-door pickup every other year, the newest body style up and down the road every day, but God is going to supply us with our daily bread. Just when Elijah was at the end of his brook, I guess you could say, look at verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, Elijah 
must have thought in his mind. This is what I would have thought. He must have thought in his mind, God, you've got to be joking. You have got to be kidding me, telling me to go to this place and you're going to provide for me there by this widow. It was one thing for me to drink from the brook. It was one thing for me to uh, rely on these crows to bring me food, but it is an entirely different thing to go to Sidon of all places. Why is that? Well, remember, Sidon is where Ahab, according to chapter 16, verse 31, took for his wife Jezebel. Remember, Jezebel is the most wicked heifer that ever lived, right? And this was where she was from. Took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians. So Sidon is where Jezebel was from. That was Jezebel's stomping grounds. Zarephath also was Baal. It was his home turf, right? Baal, the false god Baal. They worshipped Baal in Sidon. And so this town, it was a horrible place to go. It was the place where all the horrible idolatry was going on, the false worship, all those unholy sacrifices, all that temple prostitution was going on, and all that stuff that went along with the Baal worship, right? Remember, Baal was supposedly the god of rain, the god of the storms that they worshipped. And so God was commanding Elijah to go down basically into the cesspool of sin. This is where he's sending And not only just sent him there for a little bit, it says in verse 9, he sent him there to dwell there. He was going to have to stay there a while. And so, what's Elijah going to do? What did he do? Well, look at verse 10. It says, He arose and went to Zarephath. He didn't delay. He didn't mull it over in his mind, Lord, should I do this? I mean, I have probably have it better off at a dry brook than going down here to Zarephath. He didn't think about it at all. He said, Lord, I'm going to do what you told me to do. And he rose and went down to Zarephath. You see, <clears throat> all God wanted Elijah to do when he went to the brook Cherith, uh, to, when he told him to go to the brook Cherith, was simply obey him, right? We talked about that last week. He just wanted him to obey and go and trust that he was going to provide for him. And that's what God did. He provided for him. And so he said, Elijah, you go there and you stay and you obey. And once again, this is all God wanted from Elijah. He just wanted him to obey him and go down to Zarephath. Well, remember, <clears throat> we talked about this last week. Faithful service to God requires more than just a one-time decision, right? It requires continued obedience. We have to continue to make obedient decisions every day, really every hour of every day. And so we see Elijah doing that. He practices continued obedience. He follows the, the same instructions in a little bit different way, but it's the same instruction over and over Again, continued obedience in the life of Elijah. And it's the same way for us. We must practice that continued obedience. Well, when Elijah (coughs) arrived at the town gates of Zarephath, if you've read ahead, you already know things do not look all that promising, do they? I mean, there's been no more rain in Sidon than there has been in, in, in Israel at the brook Cherith, right? It's just as dry in Sidon as it was back at that brook. And so... Apparently, this is at least one thing that's going on, and I really like this. Apparently, God is teaching these Baal worshippers in Sidon some theology, right? 
Remember, they worship Baal, the so-called God of rain, the so-called God of the storms. And so God is showing these Sidonians that He is in charge of rain and that He is in charge of storms, not Baal. Right. right? I mean, how ironic is this? They supposedly worship the God of rain, but He cannot provide any rain, and they're about to starve to death. And so... When Elijah comes to the gate of the city in verse 10, it says, He came to the gate of the city. It says, Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. So this is just a poor widow woman that he has been sent to. A poor widow lady that's that's just got a few sticks. And really, Elijah, I think, can see that she's poor, see that she has nothing. And he's kind of reluctant to ask her for a meal. Verse 10 says, He called out to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. So he asked her for the water. And then only after she agreed to go get the water, in verse 11, he got a little bit bolder. And it says, As she was going to get it, get the water, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand too. Now, Elijah, he wasn't asking for a whole bunch. He wasn't asking for a full meal deal, right? He just wanted a little water and a morsel of bread. But even that was seemingly more than this poor widow woman could afford. Even that was, uh, it looked like it was too much for her to give. Because verse 12 says this, as she said to him, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Well, needless to say, this wasn't the best time for a stranger to show up and ask for a handout, was it? I mean, they barely had enough. They really only had enough to make it through one more day and they were going to die. And so this widow barely had enough for her own son and and herself to take a bite, let alone this stranger. But Elijah was sent there by God. He was sent there by God to ask this woman for this. And so Elijah trusted in the word of God and he did what God said. Even though she barely had two sticks to rub together, Elijah, he ordered his happy meal from her, right? Verse 13. It says, Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now, when he gave this command, this is what Elijah was doing. Elijah was trusting in the promises of God to provide the daily bread. To provide for their needs. He was trusting what God had told him to do, and trusting that God would provide. That's what Elijah is doing. He's showing his faith in the Lord. Even though this widow was scraping the bottom of the barrel, listen, Elijah knew that God's resources didn't have a bottom. God's resources cannot be exhausted. So even though it appeared like she didn't have enough, God could provide. And that's exactly what he's about to do. It says in verse 14, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flowers shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now remember, back at the brook Cherith, Elijah, his, his trust was not in the brook, was it? And his trust was not in uh, the crows, right, to bring him the food. 
His trust was in the God of the brook, and his trust was in the God who created the crows, right? And God took care of him there. And now here in Zarephath, Elijah, he's not trusting in the flower, and he's not trusting in the oil. He's trusting in the God who created the field where the flower is ultimately produced. He is trusting in the God who created the orchard. He's not trusting in the, the creation. He's trusting in the Creator to provide for him. And listen, Elijah's trust was well placed because God did not let him down. And God never lets us down. Because God had given Elijah word to go there, right? God doesn't go back on His word. God always keeps His word. Every promise we find in the word of God is always going to come true because God cannot lie. And so... God came through for Elijah. Look at verses 15 and 16. says, So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Now listen, this is not a case of the Lord providing a whole bunch of stuff at one time, and so they have a bunch of leftovers they can put in Ziploc bags and freeze for the next uh, however many days that they were there of the, of the drought. Okay, This is not what this is. This was daily bread that demanded daily faith in the providence of God. Amen. You see, every day that Elijah stayed here in Zarephath, the widow went to the barrel of flour, and she went to the jar of oil and had just enough to make... For them to eat that day. Daily bread. Every day she had that faith in God and God provided that daily bread. Every day. And this is the very same God we serve today. The God who gives His people their daily bread. God meets our needs. He provides for us according to His holy word. And so the Lord provides what we need every day. Really, He gives us more than we need every day. I've not yet met a person uh, that is in this church that's starving to death. Have you? We've got more than we need. Much more. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalm 34, 9, that those who fear God have no lack. If we fear the Lord, we trust in His promises, He will provide for us. Well, Elijah's encounter with this widow, it also teaches us that God's saving grace not only provides our daily bread, but it provides salvation for all kinds of people. God's grace provides salvation for everyone. First of all, we see his saving grace is for the weak and the helpless. This widow of Zarephath had once been a woman that had a little bit of money. She had once been a woman of means because we find out uh, later on in verse 19 that there was an upper room in her house. In other words, she had a two-story house. And so in those days, to have a second story was to possess at least a little bit of money, okay? Or her husband had at one time. And so she had, was at least a little bit used to some of the finer things in life. But this widow, we see, has fallen on hard times. 
her and her son. They are weak and they are helpless now. They are living without the protection of a husband in a culture where unattached women and children without a father are really subject to abuse. And so they were weak and they were helpless. They needed help. And then finally, the day came when the mother and her son, the text says, were basically down to just one more day's worth of food. They were down to a few twigs, their last fistful of flour, it says, their last few drops of oil. So these two people were totally weak and helpless. There was nothing they could do to help themselves. It was only by God's saving grace that they were going to get any help. But guess what? God's grace is there for the weak and the helpless. The story of this widow and her son demonstrates another truth from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 17 where it says this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Listen, God does not favor anyone. There is no respecter of persons with God. God does not favor the rich and the famous over the poor and the weak and the helpless. He does not do that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in that very next verse in Deuteronomy 10, 18, that He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Listen, God gave these needy people His saving grace right when they needed it the most. He was the only father that child needed. He was the only husband that woman needed. He was there for them. And I want to tell you this. His saving grace is there for everyone. Amen. That's what this is teaching us. From the least to the greatest, God's grace is available to every single person. And so His grace is there for the helpless and for the weak. Also, we see in this that God's saving grace is also there for those who are outside of the family of God. Who are outside of His family. The widow of Zarephath seems to have been a good person. I mean, whenever Elijah <clears throat> asked for a drink in verse 11, she politely went and got it for him. She helped this man. She seems to be a good person. And the widow also acknowledged the existence of God. She, I believe, thought that Elijah's God, probably among many gods in her mind at, that, at this point in time, was a real God. She acknowledged it. She, the first thing she said to Elijah in verse 12 was, As the Lord your God lives. So it seems like she acknowledged the, at least the existence of Elijah's God. But this widow had not trusted in Elijah's God for herself. Not at this point. The living God was Elijah's God. But if you notice verse 12, she said, Elijah, he's your God wasn't her God yet. She's still outside the family of God, in other words. And the sad truth of the matter is, there's a lot of people outside the family of God. A lot of people have not put their trust in the Lord. They may be nice people, like this widow of Zarephath. They may even believe that there is a God. They may even believe that Jesus Christ was a real person who lived upon this earth, but they are still outside of the family. You see, it's not enough to be a nice person. It's not enough to believe there is a God. The Bible says the devils believe there is a God and they tremble. Right. They even have an emotional response to that. 
unlike a lot of human beings that have no emotion towards God. So it's not enough to just believe in God. It's not even enough to believe in the, the historical Jesus Christ. It's not enough. To be saved, he must become our personal God. Amen. Not like she said, your God, Elijah. It must be our God, our personal God. And that only comes through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Until you put your faith and trust in Christ, you remain outside of the family of God. But listen, if you're outside of the family of God, I want to tell you something. There's some good news. You do not have to remain there. The grace of God is available for those outside of the family of God. The living God sent Elijah to this widow of Zarephath, right? Why? So that she might be brought in to the family of God. That's why he was sent there. In the very same way, the living God sends out word today through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to invite everyone to become his child. Sadly, not everyone accepts, but the invitation is extended to everyone. Amen. The Spirit and the bride says, Come, whosoever will, come drink of the water of life freely. Amen. Everyone is invited into the family of God. And listen, anyone who repents of their sin and turns in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, will be welcomed into that family. Amen. Anyone. The widow of Zarephath is a perfect illustration of this. <clears throat> Think about it. Of all the widows, of all the towns, at all the gates, gathering all the sticks in the whole Middle East, where this woman was, was there a more likely or, or more unlikely prospect to receive the grace of God than this widow? I mean, think about it. She was a foreigner. She wasn't even in the, an Israelite. She was a foreigner. And not only was she a foreigner, she lived at Jezebel's plantation. Who would have ever thought this was going to be the woman to come to know the true God? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 4, verses 25 through 26. He said, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. There were many widows there, and they were even widows in Israel among the people of God. So there were many of them there in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, Gentile land. To a woman who was a widow. You know what that tells us? The good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is for Gentiles and for Jews. In other words, it's for everybody. The good news of the grace of God is for everybody on every single nation. Mm -hmm. The gospel is for everybody. And He'll welcome you into the family of God. Well, God's saving grace is also... For those who are about to die. When Elijah arrived in Zarephath, this widow and her son were about to die. She said in verse 12, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Why? That we may eat it and die. This widow's words have a sense that she has given up. 
It's got a sense of her resignation. She basically speaks with a sense of the inevitability of her death. She knows that her and her son are about to die. I mean, they only have a couple of pieces of bread to eat. They've been wasting away for weeks in this drought and in this famine. And now they're about to eat what little they have and then they're going to die. And so just a handful of flour and a drop of oil is all that stands between them and eternity. Really, if Elijah hadn't have showed up right then, if he'd have showed up probably four or five days later, they'd have been dead. That's right. Elijah came just in time. Amen. And that is to say the grace of God came just in time. It was no coincidence. The grace of God always comes just in time. The question is, how will we respond to it? How will we respond to that? When the widow and her son were about to die, the Lord delivered them because they responded the right way. You know, the Bible says that our life is like a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then vanishes away. That word literally means like a fog, like the fog that will appear at Bodark Lake on a kind of a crispy morning, and then when the sun comes up, it just vanishes away. We're all going to die, in other words. When will we die? Well, nobody can say for sure. We may not expect to die soon, but the truth of the matter is there may be nothing more than an, a cogged artery or a blood clot like the young lady, Dr. Clark's granddaughter. That's right. That was 19 years old. That might break loose and kill us in a second. The reality is we may, we may only be uh, a car coming across the yellow line away from seeing God in eternity. We never know. We never know when that's going to happen. And so since we're all mortal, since life is so brief and so fragile, it's comforting to know that God's saving grace is for those who are about to die. And listen, this comfort is not just for those who are about to die physical death, but a spiritual death. An eternal spiritual death. It's especially for those who are about to die an eternal spiritual death. Uh, who are about to die death without Jesus Christ. We receive this saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ who became a man, who died upon the cross and was raised again to pay the penalty for our sin to claim that victory over death. That's how we attain that saving grace. This is God's grace for us right here in a nutshell. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. And God shows His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. That is grace. Amen. We were sinners. We weren't good people. We weren't, we weren't okay people. We were... We're rotten sinners. And the Lord Jesus Christ extended His grace to us. So God's sovereign saving grace is for anyone. And it's for everyone. It's for the weak. It's for the helpless. It's for those outside the family of God. And it's for those who are about to die. It's for all of us. No matter who we are. But God's saving grace is only beneficial. It only helps you if you come to God in faith. If you come to Him in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the weak, 
The outsiders, the dying, must all trust in God's plan for salvation. That's the only way to to experience that grace. And this is what the widow of Zarephath did. Notice, she came to God in saving faith. She rested on God's sovereign grace and trusted in Him for her salvation. See, Elijah first came to this widow with comfort and with assurance, right? But I don't know if you noticed, his further instructions to her were an extreme test of faith. Look back at verse 13. It says, Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Now this widow could have, could have said, Elijah, you look pretty healthy to me. I mean, you've been eating this caviar delivered to you from these crows. You look like you're pretty healthy. You look like a a pretty good-sized Baptist preacher, like you hadn't missed a potluck. And she could have said, I'll serve you if there's any left over after my son and I take a bite. She could have said that. But Scripture says that instead, in verse 15, she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. That is a display of real faith. And listen, the word of Elijah was the word of God. He was just just, uh, giving her the word the Lord had given to him. So she did according to the word of the Lord. You know, if we were down to our last meal, would we give it to a preacher we just met? We probably wouldn't. But this woman gave her first and her best to the Lord's work. She gave it to the Lord's man. She responded to the Lord's word and obeyed it. She took the step of faith that the Lord required of her. In other words, she followed the instructions of the Lord for salvation. That's what the Lord told her to do to be saved. And the widow did this because she trusted God to provide. And listen... When she staked her life on God's promise there, God did not disappoint her, did he? He didn't disappoint her. If she hadn't obeyed, she would have had just enough to live, maybe another day. But since she did obey, obey, she had enough to live as long as the Lord wanted her to live. Man, she had great faith. She had faith in God's plan for her salvation. And her faith was secure in his salvation. When the widow of Zarephath received Elijah, in effect, she was receiving Jesus Christ by faith. She had put her trust in God's plan for her salvation. You see, you say, well, how, what do you mean? Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 through 41, Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever receives you receives me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. They weren't saved because they received the disciples. They were saved because they received the message the disciples brought them. And that was the message of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, what is a prophet's reward? It's the reward the prophet himself will receive from God. That's what she would receive. It's everlasting life received by grace through faith in God's eternal plan of salvation. That's, what, that's the message Elijah brought. And that's the message she received. See, this widow received the same reward as Elijah 
because she trusted the same God as Elijah did. She received the same rewards because she put the, her faith in the same message that God had sent for salvation. By trusting in Him and Him alone. And this same reward is available to everyone who receives the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. So anybody who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ will receive this same unending grace that we've talked about tonight. And they'll receive that unending grace of that provision of daily bread for their life once they've received that salvation. Every single one of us. God will save everybody's soul that cries out to Him, and God will provide every one of His children with their needs. Well, that is all.